Section 4 of Across the Plains in 1844 by Catherine Sager Pringle. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 3 In Captivity The night of November 29, 1847, found me, a girl of thirteen years, sitting in company with two sisters and two half-breed girls, upon a bed in the chamber of a large adobe house, on the floor lay a white man with his arm broken a fearful scene had been enacted during the day savage fury had swept over whitman station and we thought that we only of all who awoke to busy life in the morning remained alive when the woman who had supplied the place of mother to us for several years had been induced by what proved to be false promises to leave for a place of safety we expected soon to join her and accompany her to the fort but the roar of musketry that soon shook the house left us in utter despair we were convinced of the treachery of the savages and hope which a moment before had lifted our hearts to almost buoyancy now fled entirely the wounded man exclaimed treachery treachery children prepare for the worst with hearts filled with fright we awaited the coming of the murderers and cold chills seized me as i thought of the dreadful knives i had seen them using upon their victims during the day we were too much palsied with terror to even cry but stood listening with pale cheeks and distended eyes to every move below soon we heard the savages splitting kindling then one called for fire we now thought our doom was to die by fire and that our home would be our funeral pile but strange to say i experienced a feeling of relief at the thought anything rather than meet again those fierce savages with their knives we listened in vain for the roar of the flames we heard instead someone addressing the indians the speech continued for some time and then all was still they had evidently left the premises three of the children were very sick their clothing was wet with blood from lying on the bed with mrs whitman after she was wounded we had no fire or light and we did not even think to get warmth by wrapping bedding around us i tried to soothe the children to sleep reasoning to myself that if we could lose consciousness in slumber that the roof of the burning house would fall upon us and we would not know it we still thought that they would fire the building the sick children were suffering for water and begged for it continually i remember taking up a cupful the day previous for a young lady who was lying ill i directed my sister where to find it but in searching for it in the dark she knocked it down and spilt it the disappointment seemed to add to their thirst and their pleadings for a drink were heart-rending i begged of the wounded man to let them have some from a pitcher he had brought up with him but he said it was bloody and not fit to drink 
the hours dragged slowly along and from exhaustion the children fell asleep one after the other until the man and i were the only ones awake i sat upon the side of the bed watching hour after hour while the horrors of the day passed and repassed before my mind i had always been very much afraid of the dark but now i felt that the darkness was a protection to us and i prayed that it might always remain so i dreaded the coming of the daylight again i would think with a shudder of the dead lying in the room below i heard the cats racing about and squalling with a feeling that seemed to freeze the blood in my veins i remember yet how terrible the striking of the clock sounded occasionally mr kimball would ask if i were asleep hours were passed in this manner when sleep came and locked my senses in its friendly embrace about three o'clock i awoke with a start as i moved my hand i felt a shaggy head and shrieked with alarm kimball spoke and told me not to be alarmed that it was he he had become cold and tired lying on the floor and was sitting up to rest but had to lean against the bed because he was so faint we conversed for some time our voices awakening the children who renewed their calls for water day began to break and mr k told me to take a sheet off the bed and bind up his arm and he would try and get them some i arose stiff with cold and with a dazed uncertain feeling he repeated his request i said mother would not like to have the sheets torn up looking at me he said child don't you know your mother is dead and will never have any use for the sheets i seemed to be dreaming and he had to urge me to comply with his request i took a sheet from the bed and tore off some strips which by his directions i wound around his arm he then told me to put a blanket around him as he might faint on the way and not be able to get up and would suffer with the cold taking a pair of blankets from the bed i put them around him tying them around the waist with a strip off the sheets i then placed his hat on his head and he went downstairs we waited long for him but he came not and we never saw him again alive it was now fully light and we heard the indians arriving they were calling mr osborne and we heard utensils jingling and concluded that mr osborne's family had been spared and were getting breakfast soon we heard approaching footsteps and someone ascending the stairs we huddled together and almost held our breath not knowing what would happen to us it was joe lewis and several indians he told us that we would not be hurt that he was going to take us to the fort as soon as he could get up a team saying this he left the indians remained they were mostly young men they asked me what made the children cry i replied they are hungry and want water one of them went for water and one for food they soon returned one bearing a bowl of water and the other a plate of cold victuals they directed me to gather up our clothes in readiness to go to the fort 
bringing a large basket for me to put them in they also brought a loaf of bread for me to put in saying we would get hungry we had none of us yet ventured downstairs the water was consumed and the children were begging for more i tried to get some of the natives to go for more but they seemed to think they had done enough and refused i could not bear to hear the piteous calls for water so taking the bowl i went down i found my shoes where i had left them a day before putting them on i went to the river after water having obtained it i was returning some indians were sitting upon the fence one of them pointed his gun at me i was terribly frightened but walked on one sitting near him knocked the gun up and it went off in the air i went to the children with the water there were no indians in the house and we ventured down to look at things the indians had spread quilts over the corpses marianne my sister lifted the quilt from dr whitman's face and said oh girls come and see father we did so and saw a sight we will never forget passing into the kitchen we found the mangled body of brother john we were crying bitterly when joe stanfield stepped out of the pantry and ordered us to hush that the indians would be mad and kill us if they saw us taking on so the savages were now crowding in and we again retreated upstairs joe stanfield had told us to go over to the other house as the other women and children were there but we were afraid to leave our own retreat as we passed through the sitting-room many native women were in it they wept over us and loaded us down with clothing which they were collecting the indians came up and urged us to leave so mustering courage i took one child and my sister one as marianne was not strong enough to carry the other one and would not stay with her we were under the necessity of leaving her promising to return as soon as we could upon reaching the room below we found the kitchen to be full of savages and were afraid to pass through so we went out through the indian room at the outer door we passed the corpse of francis we were met about half-way by the girls for several moments we all wept and then some of them relieved us of our loads on reaching the house i fainted as soon as consciousness returned i informed them that helen was still at the house and i would have to return for her several volunteered to go with me we found her screaming with fright and calling for me we were now captives of a horde of savages the house we were held captive in was a large square adobe building containing five rooms one being a bedroom and the others large living rooms each of these rooms had two families living in it the indians supplied us with plenty of food every morning they would come from their village a mile or two away and stay until late at night we had to prepare food for them of which they would make us eat first for fear that we had put poison in it the women seldom came around when night came and the beds were made down the indians would take possession of them and we would frequently have to sit up until midnight before they would leave the house 
on the fifth of december my little sister six years old died three days afterwards helen died there were two young men at the station who were sick with a fever at the time of the massacre these men were not killed at that time one of them spent the night of the twenty ninth of november alone in his room not knowing that any one else was alive aside from himself they had both been removed to the house where we were staying one evening we were startled by the savages attacking these men as they lay in their bed we all rushed outside supposing that we were all to be killed an indian told us to come back that only the two were to be killed late that evening there was a knock at the door and a voice in english called the name of one of the young women named mary smith it proved to be her father who with his family and another family had arrived from the sawmill where they were employed they had been brought down to be murdered but word had come from the fort that no more americans were to be slaughtered it came too late to save the two young men who had been dead several hours these men were set at running the grist mill one evening an indian came to the house and seemed to be looking for someone we learned that it was miss Bewley. she was sick with ague and was lying in bed he went to the bed and began to fondle over her she sprang up and sat down behind the stove he sat down by her and tried to prevail upon her to be his wife she told him that he had a wife and that she would not have him finding that persuasion nor threats availed he seized her and dragged her out of the house and tried to place her upon his horse he failed in this also she told him that she would tell the chief of his conduct the next day he said he would not let her do so she replied that she would call loud enough for him to hear her and come to see what was the matter he tried to stop her screams by placing his hand over her mouth the contest lasted for some time when becoming enraged he threw her with violence upon the ground after perpetrating his hellish designs upon her he ordered her to go to the house the poor heartbroken girl came in shaking with agitation one of the women sent eliza and i to get some medicine for her it was in another room the fiend was in there and wanted to know what we wanted of the medicine we told him it was for a sick child we carried it in well pleased with our ruse a few days after this a chief of the umatillas sent for and carried miss b there and held her as his wife the evening after she left the other came with a wagon and a team he had ropes and men to assist him to carry her to his lodge previous to this the indians had held a council to decide what to do with their prisoners many speeches were made the savage mentioned above said he could see no use in bothering with them the easiest and quickest way to get rid of them was to kill them he sat down and a nez perce arose and gave him such a scathing rebuke that he cowed down and had no more to say they decided to keep us during the winter and then send us below in the spring we were informed of this with the assurance that we would all be killed if our countrymen attempted our rescue a few evenings after this another council was held at which we were required to be present 
this council was for the purpose of setting before the young women the policy of taking chiefs for their husbands to protect them from violence the poor girls had to submit to the decrees of their captors the remembrance of these things takes all admiration for the noble red man from those who had the experience our captors kept us busy making them shirts out of the goods taken at the station we knew that the indians were planning an expedition to the dalles it was no unusual thing for one to come and demand a shirt made against a set time as he was going to the dalles we would make the shirt he would come and get it bid us good-bye and leave but in a day or so be back with another shirt to make we learned that this was a ruse adopted to have their sewing done first sometimes it was done to see if we would sew upon the sabbath one sabbath evening a fellow came and wanted us to make him a shirt that evening we refused telling him it was the sabbath he became very abusive so we commenced the shirt and seeing this he left we then laid it aside and next day complained to the chief and he forbid them bringing us work to do upon the sabbath the indians generally stayed around until near midnight after they would leave some of the vagabonds would come in and harass us and manage to frighten us thoroughly for their own amusement to prevent this we adopted the plan of hiring some of the influential men to stay with us until one or two o'clock the one who oftenest performed this service was beardy he had remained in the lodge upon the day of the massacre till late in the day when he came upon the scene and made a touching appeal for the lives of the women and children he was a professor of religion and was regarded as a good indian the ladies were in the habit of setting him a lunch before he left one of them had baked some pies made of dried peaches and which were kept hid from the other natives these particularly suited old beardy's taste and notwithstanding he had eaten several hearty meals during the day he partook freely of them after reaching home his stomach rebelled and rejected the load seeing the fruit thrown from his stomach he mistook it for blood and concluded that we had poisoned him and vowed that our lives should pay the forfeit he was sick three days on the fourth he came armed with a band of savages to wreak vengeance upon our defenceless heads during the night an indian woman had arrived from fort hall her husband was a white man and she spoke the english language well as soon as she heard of the massacre she started for the station and her arrival was very opportune she pleaded our cause with beardy and convinced him that he alone was to blame that he had only overeaten himself he was very much ashamed of the affair and used to laugh over it it came near being a serious joke to us it was our custom to gather in some one of the rooms to spend the evenings we felt better when thus together one evening i was sitting by the fire in a room some distance from the one i occupied when a stalwart savage came in seized me by the arm and dragged me shrieking through the house to our room which was empty at the time excepting the sleeping children placing a chair he told me to sit down he then began to court me for his friend 
the friend soon came in and i was compelled to listen to their love speeches a half-breed present came in and told them not to try to carry me away they said they did not intend to they only wanted to amuse themselves i could not see the fun but sat shivering with fright and cold i begged them to let me go to the fire they refused and wrapped a blanket around me they made my life a torment to me and so afraid was i of being carried off by them that i was tempted to end my troubles by jumping into the mill pond my fellow prisoners sympathized with me and laid many plans for eluding them joe stanfield proposed that i should go to the straw stack and sleep but this the women would not allow as they were suspicious of him some proposed that i go to joe finley's lodge in company with one of mr young's sons this was also abandoned mr young and his wife then laid a plan by which they thought i could elude them during the day their extra beds were thrown upon the bedstead in the evening the old gentleman was in the habit of lying on the front of the bedstead the girls were to watch their chance when the indians would be out of the room and take me in i was then to get over behind the pile of bedding and lie down a few evenings afterwards they came and the plan was carried out with complete success i lay quiet and although they searched the house they failed to find me and left giving vent to their chagrin in loud whoops soon after one of them came again i went to bed and was asleep as was everyone else i felt someone pulling me by the arm starting up i confronted my enemy he wanted me to sit by the fire with him i refused he tried coaxing and threats but in my desperation i lost all fear of him and fought with teeth and nails he said if i would sit and talk with him he would go away but i would not the contest lasted for some time then he raised his whip and said he would whip me but i cared not and still fought him calling upon other indians who were sleeping near to help me they paid no heed but the white men getting tired of the row jumped up when he left and never came back the indians called me a brave girl that would thus fight a man knowing how treacherous the nature of the savages was we lived in constant fear of their murdering us we watched for their coming in the morning and only felt safe when they departed at night it was my custom to take my sister who was three years old and was prostrated by a long and severe illness in my arms and sit down behind the stove every morning and thus await their coming resolved to die with her in my arms should they murder us occasionally i would go over to my desolated home what a scene was presented there mutilated furniture feathers ashes straw and blood all commingled in one indiscriminate mass desolation reigned where once had been peace and harmony amid all the anguish and turmoil of those dark days there would sometimes things occur that were ludicrous enough to make us for a moment forget sorrow and indulge in a hearty laugh one day an indian brave came riding to the house with a large map of the world thrown over his horse for a blanket 
at another time the voices of the children would be heard singing hymns accompanied by the natives oh blessed childhood that can thus throw off sorrow and gloom on the twenty sixth of december word came that three boats had arrived at the fort this news caused great excitement both to captors and captives and a messenger was dispatched to learn the particulars in a few hours he returned with the information that the great chief of the hudson's bay company had come and wanted the indians to meet him in council next day the greatest excitement prevailed among the captors and their captives while the hope of rescue was feebly entertained it was overshadowed by the thought of another terrible massacre in which we would be the victims our captors left for their village but in the course of a few hours returned in their hideous war-paint and armed to the teeth they remained a short time to finish their preparations and then departed for the fort it was just nightfall when they left oh what anxious days those were how slowly the hours seemed to drag along on the evening of the second day we were overjoyed at receiving miss bewley again she gave us a graphic account of her life during her absence we slept but little that night and as soon as daylight appeared we started for the fort all of us wept as we drove away from that scene of suffering wept for joy at our escape and for sorrow for those who had been slain and could not go with us as we left an indian woman came from the lodge nearby and told us to hasten for our lives that her people had repented and were coming to kill us we made all the speed we could and as darkness came on the welcome walls of the fort loomed dimly before us and we were soon inside but did not feel safe until a week afterwards we reached the settlements thus ended our captivity among the indians and a section four end of across the plains in eighteen forty four by katherine sager pringle read by carol pelster